Welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. In each episode, I speak with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. And leave us a review while you're there so others can find the show too. My guest today is Dr. David Brown. David is the Ag WeatherNet Director and Associate Professor of Soil Science. Prior to taking over leadership of Ag WeatherNet in November of 2018, Dr. Brown led a research and teaching program focused on soil sensors, spatiotemporal modeling, data science, and precision agriculture. Over the past year, Dr. Brown has initiated a major reorganization of Ag WeatherNet that he will discuss in this podcast. Hello, David. Good morning, Drew. <laughs> so, Ag WeatherNet, what, what is it and what information can people find there? So Ag WeatherNet really has two main components. One is that we have a network of weather stations all over Washington State, and we do pull in some data from other neighboring states as well. And then we also have a, a front end, which is where we process all the data and we deliver the weather data in 15-minute intervals and a whole range of decision support tools that agricultural users can use to make decisions about pest management and and uh, pesticide uh, use and all kinds of other uh, decision support we can talk about a little bit later. Okay. A lot of that has been directed more at the tree fruit area. Um, but yes. maybe, maybe maybe there's some hope <laughs> that we can bring it into the eastern part of the state for for yes. wheat growers. Yes. And, and, and to be fair, the, the tree fruit industry really did the lobbying to get this funded. And they've provided a lot of support over the years, research support to develop it out. But we are at a point where we can certainly think about extending this uh, network to wheat producers. And I would say that in the legislation that funds AgWeatherNet, it specifically talks about serving all the growers in the state. And so okay. we can do that. Okay. And, yeah. and the, the tree fruit, there's a lot of decisions they make based on weather, I take it. Yeah. So so our, our page gets about 25,000 page views a day. We get really heavy use. And then we also feed data into the decision uh, – uh, uh, DAS, which is uh, a decision aid system, which tree fruit users use as well. Um, and so in the tree fruit industry, I wouldn't have to explain what Ag WeatherNet and DAS are all about because it's heavily used by okay. wine grape producers and tree fruit and hops to a lesser extent. Um, so in irrigated agriculture, it's very heavily used at present. Okay. I mentioned this reorganization you undertook mm -hmm. when you took over the leadership. Uh, what was the motivation for this reorganization? And how might this impact wheat growers? Yeah, well, there's a, a couple motivations. One was that uh, I, I sort of realized with changes in technology and some other changes that, that um, the primary limitation to the quality of our tools is the quality of the weather data that goes into them. And so this reorganization means that we now have five meteorologists on staff. Or, you know, they might call themselves atmospheric scientists. But, uh, <laughs> but we have five individuals now who have training in atmospheric science and meteorology on staff. And that helps support a, a greater emphasis on the quality of the weather data that we use that goes into all these tools. In the past, it was more focused on agronomy and pest okay. management and so on. The other big change is that now we, we distributed our staff. So we have, we have stations all over the state and we have research all over the state. 
supporting all kinds of different industries. And now we have staff in Mount Vernon, in Wenatchee, in Prosser, and in Pullman. So we have someone who's based in Pullman who can much more readily maintain stations in this part of the state. In the, in the old days, if something happened to a weather station in eastern Washington, it might take a while to get out there to fix it because okay. it's just kind of far away. Um, so speaking of that, yeah. um, how many weather stations do we have in the east and is there a what are the opportunities, I suppose, to yeah. to increase the number? So that that's uh, probably our most asked question. We get queries almost every day from someone asking for a weather station. Um, and everyone wants one nearby. And I would say that that is a priority for us. If you think about the quality of weather data, um, one factor is the quality of the sensor and maintaining it well. But another big factor is how far that station is away from the user. And so we we absolutely need more stations in Washington State. And, and so we are working on various avenues in which to do that. I would mention that we've been in particular talking to the conservation districts, and they've funded uh, the addition of two stations in Okanagan that was funded by conservation districts, and then five in Whatcom County funded by conservation district. And we've been talking to sort of the statewide folks about how we can fund more stations. And and the key to all that is that we are also using there, – there's some more affordable weather stations out there now, which in our analysis show it, the quality of the data is very comparable to a professional station. And that makes it possible to have a lot more stations. Okay. Maybe yeah. supplement those cheaper stations along yeah. with them. So we're talking more. about having uh, two tiers. The first tier is the really expensive sort of roughly $10,000 station. Um and then having a second tier where we have a $2,000 station and, and we have a, a base network, of maybe 100 stations that are of, of the tier one quality. And then maybe we can have a couple hundred of the tier two okay. as opposed to 150 of the tier one. Um, so it, that's, that's the trade off in terms of numbers. Okay. Yeah. So um, Weathernet has a, a web page and, and we can put that web page in our show notes <laughs> for our listeners. Um, do you expect these uh, any changes in the Ag WeatherNet uh, webpage or decision support tool delivery as a part of this reorganization? Yes, yeah, so we're we're completely revamping the delivery of our tools. Right now, it's a web page based delivery, and if you go on there, you'll see under tools just you know cherries, grapes, wheat. There's a wheat yield tool. I don't think anybody really uses it, but <laughs> there is a tool there for wheat yield estimation. Um, and we're going to a site-specific app-based delivery. So and instead of you picking a weather station and saying, what's the weather at this station? And and assuming that's the weather that's closest to my farm, what kind of a pest problem might I have or whatever the mm-hmm. tool is. Um, instead of doing that, we're actually – you put in the latitude and longitude of your farm or a field. And and we will estimate the, the weather as best we can for that location and deliver all the tools for the weather at that location. Okay. And that also includes if you want to put in your own weather station and it's, it's sufficiently high quality, we will deliver weather and tools and forecasts to your weather station. Oh, really? So oh. we're incorporating private weather station data okay. into our network. That's another big change. <laughs> and it's not easily done. I will just add that there's a lot of quality control that goes into absorbing private weather station data right. to make oh. sure it's sufficient. Okay. I know um, plant life is driven a lot by growing degree days and temperature. And yes. so a lot of things could be predicted uh, if we had a good uh, estimation of growing degree days at a location. Um, probably a lot of tools similar maybe to what's in the 
in the tree fruit area could do developed here. Why, why do you think we have those tools now? And what do you think the, well, the future might be for tools like that? I think part of the reason is that Bagweather has been based in Prosser and there's a history behind it. But, but also part of the reason is that we haven't had funding yet from the uh, grain industry to, to develop some of those tools. But I, and, and the tools will be a bit different. So the tree fruit industry really needs 15-minute decision-making tools. I think that for the wheat industry, it's not quite so timely. But I do think that there would be a lot of value in tools that uh, one, for example, would be um, predicting weather conditions for spraying. So looking at a week a weekly forecast and building into that some decision support about am I is what's the wind going to be am I going to have inversions or other concerns about spraying mm-hmm. um, but the other part of it would be building in a, a wheat phenology model that would tell a grower right, here's the time of year when you might want to spray for a certain pest and that's more your area right. Drew yep. <laughs> for weed control I think it could be very useful because yes. a lot of a lot of pesticides are limited as to when they can be applied and if you have an idea that by one one stage is the boot stage, right? So uh, mm-hmm. a lot of things have to go on before the wheat starts hitting the boot or before it joints. Yes. And a lot of people don't know when their wheat joints, So, <laughs> but it's pretty closely tied to growing degree days. So if we could get yes. people at least an estimate within a few days of when their wheat might be jointing, that can drive a lot of their decisions. Yeah. So we, what we might want to do is build a model that's that's a physiological model that, that estimates when these stages happen. But also then in our app, and this is true for all the users, we have feedback options. So we want to know, we estimate this is when you're jointing. When are you actually seeing it? And then uh-huh. we can learn and we can tune it. And for every location, for every farm, we can automatically tune these models to your conditions and what you're seeing. And that's where it gets really useful. Okay. Well, um, any other new updates on the Ag WeatherNet? I know farmers are always interested <laughs> in weather. Um, I guess... Is it easy for a grower to go to the Ag WeatherNet website yes. and 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 just play with it, or do they it's, have to log in and get a uh, an account? Or they can they can play with it without an account, but if they really want all the features, we ask. It's a free account, but okay. we ask them to log in and and get an account, and all of that is going to be a little more streamlined. We hope our app comes out around May, and then that's where we're really going to be pushing people is to use the app. Um, and there, there's a web app and a and a mobile app. Okay. So those who want to sit at home and use their computer can do that. But um, and that is going to really streamline a lot of your interaction with with that WeatherNet. And okay. the one other big thing I would add is that we are now putting out weekly forecasts. Um, and so that comes out. And if you sign up, you can get that forecast coming to you. Okay. That's targeted at, uh, towards growers. Um, and is that as an email or? Uh, it comes as an email and we put it out on Twitter and we put oh, it out okay. everywhere. Um, and then also we are developing uh, tools to do automated forecast delivery to every station. So we, we, and that includes a private station. If you have a private station, we can deliver. There's some new data science techniques that allow us to customize delivery of forecast data to to individual weather stations. And that's a big push for Ag WeatherNet. So if, if uh, one of our listeners decides that they really need a weather station in your <laughs> network or that their conservation district yeah. should seek, uh, do they contact you or how, how, how do they contact they? me right now? Okay. <laughs> I take all the input. <laughs> and how, how would they contact you? What's the best they way? They can hope? email me at dave.brown at wsu.edu. All right. Very good. I'm looking forward to seeing some of these changes roll out and I hope uh, we can develop some useful tools for our wheat growers in the near future. I hope so as well. Thanks, David. Thank you. 
Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions or topics you'd like to hear on future episodes, please email me at drew.lyon, that's L-Y-O-N, at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu and on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications and the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next time.